just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. The Salt Lake City Council has passed the budget. Lead producer Emily Means joins me to break down where our money is going. And later, newsletter editor Therina Ria joins to share our picks of the week. It's Friday, June 16th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Good morning, Emily Means. Good morning, Ali Vallarta. Uh, big week in Salt Lake. The city council voted to adopt our nearly $2 billion budget. Woo! And I would just like to know where they're getting all that money. (laughs) (laughs) Parking tickets. Yeah, late fees. Just kidding. We don't have late fees anymore. No, we don't do that anymore. Uh, Big budget. $448 million of that $2 billion is the general fund, which is a very sexy term for the more malleable parts of the budget, the stuff that yeah. like can kind of be shifted around depending on the, the season and the year and what we need. So let's get into it. What are these people doing with our money? You want to kick us off? I'll kick us off. We had previously talked about the budget that Mayor Aaron Mendenhall proposed. So we'll, we will uh, link that show in the show notes for you. Yep. But Allie. One thing the mayor did not propose is money for sanctioned camping. And Uh alas, it's there in the budget that the Salt Lake City Council just passed. We're looking at $500,000 for sanctioned camping, which very simply means allowing unsheltered people to camp in tents or RVs. Salt Lake City has a no camping ordinance. So this would say, yeah, right here. You are allowed to camp here. Mm -hmm. And this proposal has been spearheaded by the West Side Council members, Victoria Petro and Ale Puy. And basically, they've said, you know, we're really glad to see how the state has been stepping up around the issue of homelessness. The city has argued for a long time now, and especially Mayor Mendenhall has argued that homelessness is like, this is not really necessarily the city's responsibility. It is a health and human services function, and we don't have that function, really. The county and the state, they have a health and human services mandate. Mm -hmm. But Councilmember Petro says, we are nowhere near where we should be with our homelessness goals, which should be, you know, housed. People should be housed, right? And even though we're really working towards building affordable housing, it's a long process. And so what we need is a solution now to give relief to both unsheltered and sheltered residents here in Salt Lake City. So that Mm -hmm. is the basis for this program, which is essentially what I would call like an innovation grant program. I mean, I hate to politicize politics, (laughs) But hard not to. I mean, we are in a mayoral election year, right? The biggest issue, as you and I have said over and over on this show, is homelessness. 
one of the more disturbing and sort of horrific aspects of how our city and our state and our county currently deal with homelessness is these abatements, which are when the county health department in partnership with the city comes in and basically sweeps camps. And that often results in people's things being thrown away. It's just a terrible, terrible scene. And so sanctioned camping would sort of put a halt on abatements because the reason, part of the reason we abate is for health issues. And part of the reason we abate is because camping is illegal in the city. We have this no camping ordinance. But there are two currently mayoral candidates in the running that have come out swinging in support of sanctioned camping. And Mayor Aaron Mendenhall has had some different stances on sanctioned camping. We asked her about it, and she said she's supportive of sanctioned camping, but she doesn't think it's something that the city itself can mm-hmm. host. Like, the city itself can't be responsible for coordinating a sanctioned camp. We don't have the resources. We don't have the manpower. This needs to be something the state and the county come in and manage. And so for the city council to sort of overrule a little bit on that and say, well, we're going to give it a shot. We are going to allocate some of our funds to this and we are going to see if it is something we can tackle is really interesting, especially given that it's something her her one of her biggest opponents, former Mayor Rocky Anderson, has come out swinging in support of. Very interesting point, Ali Vallarta. And for the mayor's part, for Mayor Mendenhall's part, she is quoted in the Tribune saying that while they're continuing to work with the state on efforts to create more permanent sanctioned camping, again, the state is looking into this sort of thing and the mayor thinks this is the sort of thing the state should be doing. Um, She said, we can potentially explore some smaller pilot projects in the city. And that's really what this grant is looking at supporting. Uh, Council member Petro described, you know, something as small as a 10 person sanctioned camping situation. So imagine this. That is quite small. It's quite (laughs) small. Imagine a church, for example, wanting to host like 10 tents on their property. That is something that they could get money for from the city. And basically, whoever comes up with a proposal that is viable, Mm -hmm. as in they have a safety plan, they have a security plan, they have a sanitation plan, a communications plan, Mm -hmm. the city council can say, you know what? Yeah, we like this plan and we're going to give you some money for it for these potentially smaller campsites. Well, the fiscal budget begins on July 1st. Does that mean we could start seeing these campsites popping up as soon as like the month of July of this summer? That's a really good question, Allie. And as you might imagine, this is a pretty big idea mm-hmm. and has not been fully fleshed out in terms of the guidelines and the details and what the application process should look like. And so this funding is going to be put into a holding account until the city council figures out what this program actually looks like. So yeah, maybe not quite as soon as July. But one other thing that I thought was interesting in listening to this discussion was that potentially this money could be available for projects outside the city as well. Hmm. So there we have it. I will also say that... There was some hesitancy among other council members around this proposal. Council member Chris Wharton, who represents kind of like the avenues and I think 
the easternish part of Rose Park, asked, why don't we just use that $500,000 to put people in apartments? You know, like, why are we looking at, why are we looking at sanctioned camping for this funding? And we recently talked to a homeless service provider, Carol Hollowell from Switchpoint Community Resource Center. And we kind of asked her the same thing. We were like, well, you know, when it comes to addressing homelessness, housing is like the agreed upon solution. Right. And I remember she said that putting people into housing without any supports doesn't always work. Like people can backslide if they don't have a strong community around them. I mean, but I do think it is a valid question. Like $500,000 could pay rent for quite a lot of people. Well, on the note of housing, another thing that's in this budget is $20 million for affordable housing. And I feel like that's a big-ish number. Carter Williams at KSL reports that our city currently has a gap of 5,500 units of deeply affordable housing. So that's that's a (laughs) lot, right? I mean, 5,500 unit affordable housing gap in a city of about 200,000 people. That's a lot. But another thing in the sort of housing component of this budget that I thought was really interesting is that there is funding for accessory dwelling units or ADUs, which just like months ago, the city council was debating the merits of, and it was a pretty hot and contested fight because in a lot of neighborhoods, people are like, well, if you let people build these ADUs, for example, like a mother-in-law in in the back of your house that you could rent out or Airbnb, how is it going to impact sort of the character of the neighborhood? Are we going to see more Airbnbs, et cetera, et cetera? The flip side of that argument is housing is housing, friends. Like if you build it, they will come and they're already here. So we need to build it. Like this is a great way to get people in shelter and housed and open up housing opportunities in neighborhoods that are already like fairly dense, though could be more dense. Right. And so to see the council kind of go from like hosting this hotly contested debate on whether or not they should allow for more accessory dwelling units to funding more accessory dwelling units, I thought was kind of interesting. What does this mean? I don't know. We're going to see, hopefully, I would I would say personally, hopefully along the East Bench, we're going to see some gentle density, a little bit more space for people to live in backyards or in half lots. Allie, I don't know what your read on this is, but I feel like we might be reaching a breaking point. Like, (laughs) not to be dramatic or anything, but like looking at where we've been and where we are now, especially with this budget. I mean, imagine like proposing funding for sanctioned camping like even a year ago, right? And we mentioned, um, you know, the mayor has shifted her stance on sanctioned camping, tweaked it in some ways here and there. But even for her to be like, well, you know, like maybe it's something we can explore through this grant Mm -hmm. versus absolutely not. Or I believe she was quoted in the Tribune. uh, Heck no. Heck no. It's not happening here. Mm -hmm. Like, I think city leaders are at a point where we're desperate. Like we we need to be making radical changes here. We need to be funding things that we haven't in the past because otherwise what what happens next? Like where? What is the future of this city? I don't know. Is that dramatic? (laughs) Do you feel that too? I think it's an acknowledgement that we can't go on like this, Mm -hmm. right? And there's also a 
a new program included to offer low-interest loans to pay for repairs and upgrades to existing affordable housing, which is important because <laughs> things require maintenance, right? Like, if you've ever lived on an affordable housing unit, like I used to live on 30s, there's a number of apartment complexes along that row that are technically affordable housing units. Like, they are crumbling. They are not well-maintained. They are, like, paper-thin walls. I mean... They could use quite a bit of work. And so we also have to take care of what we've already got, right? Um, yeah, no, I agree with you. I mean, I think, do I think this is a radical budget? No. But do I think that we're starting to see some really interesting measures being implemented? Yes. I like seeing my city get creative in problem solving. I am not interested in having the same debate forever and ever while problems are aggravated. I think that's boring. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you want to learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Let's talk about the police budget, because we've talked here just now about $20 million being allocated for affordable housing. $111 million has been allocated for policing and public safety. It is nearly 25% of the general fund budget. It's a good chunk of change. That's a solid chunk of change. Now, the public safety force is about 761 employees. The police budget has always been huge, but it is growing. This year, they proposed a $7 million increase, which, of course, went through. 
Now, a piece of that is bolstering different entities of the police budget that are trained in de-escalation. Like, there is this effort to keep armed officers from showing up to non-emergency situations and trying to figure out how to create interventions to facilitate getting people to other resources, right? Do we need to be sending cops down if someone is having a mental health crisis or could we be sending members of the community health access team, for example? So we've got four new officers added to the civilian response team. Within the sort of like de-escalation arm of the police budget are also included the downtown ambassadors, folks you've probably seen walking around in like yep. the, ye- the yellow jackets, we yeah, might call the them. yellow jackets. <laughs> and then also, as I mentioned, the community health access team. So these are all entities that are trained in de-escalation. A big question that people have had is, okay, there are proposed raises in here for members of the public safety department. Is this going to lead to a tax increase later this year? And the answer is maybe if we don't meet revenue goals, TBD. As of right now, our taxes are not going up to cover any of these cost increases in the budget. Could that change later this year? Potentially. As of right now, the only increase that we will feel as residents of Salt Lake City is our utility bills are going to go up in July. Uh, 18% increase in water fees. And the reason for that is we need a new water treatment plant. It's going to cost $800 million and uh, and we got to pay for it. So water bills are going to go up, which that's just the way it goes. That's just the way it is. Okay, Allie, you know that I love talking transportation, Mm -hmm. love talking about that transit life. So some of the investments we saw in transportation this year in the budget, uh, they expanded the K through 12 public transit Hive Pass program. So last year, there were transit passes provided to K through 12 students in the in Salt Lake City, so they can ride the bus, you know, we can clear the air a little bit. Now, their parents will also be covered by that transit pass, which I think is pretty cool. Although if I were a student, I probably wouldn't be riding the bus with my mom. Because, you know, because it's not cool. No, but what this is, is it's a really clever way to get transit passes in the hands of more parents who, I mean, the best way, I think, to reach a broad cross-section of people in a city is via public education. Everyone goes to school. You know what I mean? And so it's like if you want to get transit passes in the hands of not just, you know, the bike bros of Twitter, right? You give them to elementary school kids and say, give this to your mom. Like that is one of the best ways to disseminate information in in a city. And so I think this is also just kind of a genius way to get more transit passes in more hands. You're so smart. And here I thought it was to embarrass students on the bus. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, One other thing uh, under the transportation umbrella that the city council funded are these quick install traffic calming measures. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do we very easily slow down traffic in this city? This could look like signage or maybe I even saw recently, like, a concrete planter in the middle of the road, strategically (laughs) placed in the middle of the road. More whales. uh, Or more 
whales, yes. So this is under the umbrella of Salt Lake City's Livable Streets program, which is the traffic calming program. And, you know, we've got some big goals to slow down cars in this city and make streets safer for everyone. I will say the other traffic calming measure that kind of made me chuckle was the like the timers, like that there might be sort of like a countdown clock to tell you how long you have to like cross a track or how long you have uh. to like, like things like that. And yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, we works. could also design our roads in radical ways to calm traffic, like seeing these sort of very, I would call them fairly lukewarm traffic calming measures in the budget when we just looked at the 2100 South redesign proposal and it was also very lukewarm. It's like, okay. I feel that. I feel that. I mean, listen, the key phrase here is quick install. And if you have been driving around Salt Lake, you know, for the past, what, two years, you know that these roads (laughs) upgrades are not quick. They are not quick. We have been under construction for decades now, it feels like, Mm -hmm. eons. Mm -hmm. So I think these are really just kind of like, what can we do to slow things down right now? Totally. And on the note of construction, there another interesting thing in the budget is an increased grant funding for small businesses that are negatively impacted by street construction projects. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. So basically everyone on Second South, you should probably get online and start filling out that application. Okay. There are a, a few other quick hits I want to make here on this budget. One is the mayor and the city council approved a 5% cost of living adjustment for all city employees. This is great. City employees are fantastic and they do a great job. I also am very interested, and you know it, in this new fund that offers city workers reimbursements of up to $500 for expe- various expenses on that list are ski passes and travel for out-of-state abortions and medical procedures. Think gender-affirming care. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But in the same breath as ski passes? <laughs> well, <laughs> listen, to each his Wait own. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Whose ski day are we paying for with our taxpayer dollars? Well, it's a health. that's a health and wellness thing. You know what I mean? The other new role that's been designed here is there's going to be a new full-time employee. We don't know exactly what this job title is going to be, though we could have a fun time speculating. And their job will be to run like the city's air quality incentive programs. I hope they're the air czar. That would be really fun. Oh, why not? And then they will also be responsible for implementing, should they decide to, a program that was hinted at in the mayor's original budget proposal and her state of the city, which was e-bike, potential e-bike rebates, which is something they've done in Denver and they like sold like hotcakes. And I'm really interested in this because I think e-bikes are wicked expensive, but it would be fun to see them in more hands in the city. Allie, can I just jump in really quickly? Yeah. I went back and listened to the budget hearings mm-hmm. <laughs> because that's the kind of gal I am. We love you for and it. And there was some hesitancy from the council on the e-bike rebates for various reasons. Yeah. Some council members were like, okay, but like how much does an e-bike really help air quality? Like... Same as biking, right? So basically, Mm -hmm. you need to be replacing your car with an e-bike for it actually to help. And then, you know, there were some concerns that people don't actually have anywhere to store an e-bike and they're very expensive. So maybe we should get that storage infrastructure in place first. And also, I think maybe the biggest concern that 
lower income people might not be prioritizing an e-bike, honestly. So who is this rebate really going to help? Probably someone who already has some money to put towards an e-bike. Right. What if we just spent $30 million a year instead making public transit free? Yeah. It's a thought. Yeah, it is a thought. And that's our budget. And it takes effect July 1st. So here we go. That's the budget. And one last thing I wanted to add, Allie, this most recent council meeting when they passed the budget was council member Amy Fowler's final meeting. Um, She gave a speech and, you know, thanked city employees for their good work. She said she was really proud of all the investments they've made in affordable housing. And I think that you know, we just we just want to wish Councilmember Fowler the best and thank her for her service yep. uh, representing District 7 on the Salt Lake City Council. Greater Sugar House, as we call it here on CityCast. <laughs> yep, good point, Emily. Okay, it is time for our favorite segment of the week, which has nothing to do with finances. It's Pick of the Week, and our newsletter editor, Therina Ria, is here to join us. Therina, welcome. Hello, friends. Hello, hello. What up, what up? I'm excited to be here. Excited to have you back. My pick of the week. Hit it. It's weekend events. What? Are you surprised? You are so good at weekend events. (laughs) It's like so unlike me, right? Yeah. This weekend, there are a bunch of Juneteenth celebrations going on. Um, Actually, I prepared a quick little history lesson for y'all, if you don't mind. Please. If I could be so bold Mm -hmm. to talk about our history. So Black communities have been celebrating Juneteenth for decades, It commemorates June 19th, 1865, when enslaved people in Galveston, Texas, were notified of the Emancipation Proclamation of 1863. So two and a half years later, and then nationwide emancipation would come later that year when the 13th Amendment was ratified. Um, And so because it was a staggered process, some people commemorate emancipation on different days. In 2021, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. And last year in Utah, it was officially declared a state holiday. And as we know, racial injustice is very much alive. So the joyful celebration of Juneteenth in itself is considered an act of continued resistance to oppressive systems. Mm -hmm. We love joy as a form of resistance. Thank you for that history lesson. Okay, on to events. So this Sunday... At Mill Creek Commons, there's going to be a a huge Juneteenth Freedom Day celebration between 4 to 10. Um, There will be local artists, spoken word contest, a local fashion show. It's a skate night. It's DJs. There's food. Um, It's going to be a really fun time. Fun. Plus, we love Mill Creek Commons. Yes. It's the hottest new club in Salt Lake County. We went ice skating there. I also saw... That they were looking for volunteers for that event. So if anyone wants to clock in and help out with coordinating, you can find them on Instagram. Yes, it's going to be huge. So they definitely need help, uh, volunteers. Um, and then also that, that day um, on Sunday at Alibi, there's going to be a Juneteenth celebration from 9 p.m. to 1 a.m. Um, so bring your boogie shoes. Ooh, dancing. Yeah, because in the state of Utah, a lot of people have Monday off now that it's a state-recognized holiday. So we can party Sunday night. Exactly. Um, You know, the celebrations are happening this weekend um, and into next week, too. On Tuesday at Salt Lake Community College, there's a Juneteenth Freedom Day 
music festival that will be at the Taylorsville campus from six to nine. And so a bunch of performances, food as always, and um, really good time with family and friends. Fun. Wonderful options. Yeah, great stuff. May I put forth my pick of the week? Please. Yes, please. Thank you. Um, It is also Father's Day this Sunday, and I would recommend taking your dad to a comedy show. I actually took my dad to one at the Eccles recently, and we had a blast. Um, There is one at Wise Guys Comedy Club this Sunday night, actually, 7 p.m. It's their Sunday night special with local comedians. It's 10 bucks. So, you know, I say, like, you can't go wrong with laughter, right? Like, that's a a crowd pleaser no matter what your dad likes. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm going to round it out here. Uh, My pick of the week. So I have some friends in town. And last night I was talking to them and I was like, when are you guys leaving? And they were like, oh, Saturday morning. And I was like, yeah, no, I think you should change your flight to Sunday. And here's why. Because Saturday night is the regional air guitar championships (laughs) at Aces High Saloon. Now, this is a 21 and up event because it's at a bar. But can you imagine any more stunning way to spend an evening than the air guitar championships? There will be high kicks. There will be wiggling (laughs) fingers. There will be... Probably you will meet the most enthusiastic people you've ever encountered in your entire life. So buckle in for that. It is from 8 to 10 p.m. this Saturday night at Aces High Saloon. It's $5 to get in and be a spectator. But you too, it is $10 to enter. Oh, no, Allie. I'm in. What a steal. I'm in. I'm in. I one time karaoke'd the the guitar solo from Sweet Child O' Mine <laughs> at Cheers. It's a long solo, okay? And so I am I am ready. You know what it takes. I know what it takes to win. You know <laughs> what it takes. Yeah, yeah. This That's going to be great. That's going to be... Can't wait to see you on stage, Emily. Thanks for that pick, Allie. Okay, you two. Thank you so much for sharing your picks of the week. Have a fantastic weekend, and I will see you on Tuesday morning. See you Tuesday, Allie. Bye. Bye. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Therina Ria, and our host is me, Ali Bayarta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria. We are off Monday for the Juneteenth holiday, but we'll be back Tuesday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Bye.